Hey everyone, my name is Adam Barfoot and welcome to episode 14 of the Counseling and Functional Fitness Podcast. I am a mental health therapist and I am also a coach at two different CrossFit gyms. In this episode, I answer the question, what is mental health? I talk about how our mental health affects our relationships, our work, and our performance inside and outside of the gym. I also talk about core beliefs and how our mental health and our core beliefs impact how we live our lives. As a disclaimer, during this podcast, I am speaking for myself and my own views, and I'm not speaking for any counseling organization or any of my employers. I am also a mental skills coach, and I offer personal mental skills coaching, which are one-on-one -on -one video meetings with me that can help you progress toward and meet your goals. Focuses for personal mental skills coaching include, but are not limited to, positive self-talk, goal setting, lack of motivation, mental barriers, performance anxiety, and self-confidence. The initial 20-minute consultation is free, and then prices for 30-minute sessions going from there are $45 per 30-minute session or a package deal of three or five sessions for $40 per session. If you'd like to schedule your free initial consultation for personal mental skills coaching, email me at counselingandfunctionalfitness at gmail.com or message Counseling and Functional Fitness on Facebook or Instagram. The World Health Organization defines mental health as a state of well-being in which an individual realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. So let's look at this definition. Mental health is about well-being and not just the absence of mental illness. And someone may think that, oh, well, I'm not depressed or anxious, so I guess I have good mental health, but that's not always the case. Let's look at the first part of that definition, realizing our own abilities. So if we are caught in a cycle where our abilities are constantly being put down or downplayed, that can really affect our mental health. And something I'll talk about in this episode is self-talk. And if we are downplaying our own abilities and consistently speaking down to ourselves, maybe even insulting ourselves or constantly reminding ourselves of our weaknesses or things that aren't exactly where we want them, then our mental health is not as good as it could be. Looking at the next part of the definition, coping with the normal stress of life. A requirement for being diagnosed with a mental illness is impairment. So impairment means that the symptoms are getting in the way of you doing something or getting in your way somehow. So the different kinds of impairment are social occupational and emotional impairment. Social impairment is that maybe anxiety symptoms are getting in your way or impairing you from making friendships and getting into a romantic relationship. 
the next occupational impairment may be symptoms of depression or getting in your way of going to work or getting your work done. So occupational means occupation. So if you have a job, your job is your occupation. If you're in school, your schoolwork and going to class is your occupation. So we can look at it in ways of if you are in school and symptoms of depression are getting in your way of going to class and getting your assignments done, then that is occupational impairment. If you have a whole lot of trouble staying focused at work, then you have, because of symptoms of mental illness, then you have that occupational impairment. Then emotional impairment, we can look at this from a post-traumatic stress perspective, is that if we are unable to handle the very intense emotions that we're feeling, then that can be emotional impairment. And these really all connect in that our job impacts our relationships and our relationships impact our job as well as our relationships impact how we feel about ourselves and others and our job as well. And that relates to the next part of the definition also about working productively. So occupational health and how we perform at work, how we feel about work, our thoughts about work, those things all also affect our mental health. And it's an interesting connection because our mental health affects how we perform at work and how we deal with the stress of work as well as the stress of life. And then the last part of the definition of mental health, being able to make a contribution to our community. When we are functioning at our best and our highest potential and realizing our own abilities and living up to those abilities, fulfilling those desires, those passions, and the abilities that we have, we will have great contributions to make to others and to give to others. Our mental health absolutely affects our performance and same the other way around. So our performance can impact our mental health. And that's something I'll talk about later in this episode, especially, it can especially impact our mental health if our identity is wrapped up in our performance. And looking at that, we want our mental health to be something that helps improve our lives rather than to stunt possible growth that we could make. And we want our mental health to help us in our performance, whether that's fitness or work or in relationships or in our emotional life. So if we are isolated from others, if we are miserable in a romantic relationship or miserable at work, those things will adversely affect our mental health and therefore adversely affect our lives. And similarly, just like I mentioned on episode 13 of this podcast, is that the Adlerian therapy view that all problems are social in nature, that connects to the last part of the definition of mental health that I shared, is that about making a contribution to our community. And with mental health being about well-being instead of just the absence of mental illness, 
mental health is about flourishing in life with ourselves, with others, and with the world around us. And I'm, I'm going to get into talking about core beliefs in just a minute. Our thoughts, feelings, and actions all show how we interact with ourselves, others, and the world around us. And if you have not listened to episode 13 yet of this podcast, I give a really, really actionable activity that you can do to explore how your thoughts, feelings, and actions all relate. So I definitely suggest that you go back and listen to episode 13 if you have not already. So when we look at our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with others, and the ways, the way that we view the world around us, mental health or mental illness profoundly affects all of these things. And just like our physical health, our mental health impacts our future. And if we are not where we want to be in our mental health or our physical health, the time to act is now. So if you are not where you want to be with your fitness or your mental health or your physical health with fitness, go and try out a gym. Reach out to a friend who might be involved at a local gym and let them know that you're interested and you want to try it out. If you are looking to act to improve your mental health first, Fitness is a wonderful way to improve your mental health and also that it's never too late to make a difference in your life. And if you are looking to do the internal work to improve your mental health, well, it's interesting saying that because mental health, like I've been talking about, is about outer work as well in relationships and in your occupation also. If you are looking to do the work to improve your mental health, there are wonderful therapists all over the place, whether that's a therapist locally that you find online or one that you meet with virtually. There are plenty of options right now. And if you are looking to improve your nutrition, take it a day at a time. Take it a meal at a time. A great place to start can be focusing on whole foods and drinking more water and clearing out of your cupboard and your cabinet the foods that you know are not the best for you. So if you are looking to improve, like I said, the time to act is now. Every long journey, the longest journey, starts with a single step. And you'll never get to that long-term destination if you don't act now in the short term. And the fact that you're listening to this podcast right now tells me that you are looking to improve in your mental health or your fitness and hopefully both. So I fully believe that you right now listening to this podcast are ready to either act maybe for the first time or continue acting. And looking at this with physical health, 
physical health is not just about the absence of disease, but it is about physical well-being and looking at are we a functional human being, meaning that can we go through our day-to-day life without major impairment? And a purpose of functional fitness is to help you flourish in your life. So it's not just about being great in the gym, but functional fitness is about improving your life outside of the gym also and making you more making you into a more functional human being. So are you able to function in day-to-day life and are you able to do the things you want to do, whether that's a long walk or a long hike or a run or picking something up off the ground or whatever it is for you. Functional fitness is meant to improve your life and contribute to your flourishing outside of the gym. So let's get to talking about core beliefs. Core beliefs are deeply held personal opinions and statements and beliefs that we believe to be true about ourselves, others, and the world around us. These can be formed in early childhood, but they can also We can be convinced or not convinced of them throughout our entire lives. And core beliefs are on continuums also. So a continuum is a line where there is an arrow on the end of both sides of the line. So on the continuum of beliefs, of core beliefs about ourself, On one end, there is the statement, I am good. And on the other side of the continuum is the statement, I am bad. These core beliefs about ourselves, given that they can be formed in early childhood, these are messages that we received and interpreted from our caregivers. So if we were treated as in ways that we interpreted as I am worthy of love and I am worthy of being taken care of, that would fall, that core belief would fall more on the side of the continuum of I am good. But if we were treated as we are not worthy of love and not worthy of being taken care of and cherished and listened to, We could have a core belief that something is wrong with us and then falling more on the continuum of the side of the continuum of I am bad. And being on the side of the continuum that says I am bad, children form those beliefs really early on in life. And when when we, and especially children, cannot find a reason for something, we internalize that and say, oh, it must be my fault that the caregivers don't want to take care of me. And so coming to that belief, that core belief about ourselves that there is something so wrong with me that I'm not worthy of love and care. So we can see that 
these core beliefs about ourselves, anything on the continuum of I am bad can really adversely affect the way we think about ourselves. This is because we are always trying to make sense of things that are happening and understand what's going on. So with our core beliefs about ourselves, we treat ourselves in accordance to how we view ourselves and we act in accordance to how we view ourselves. So the core belief continuum about ourselves includes I am good at or I am bad at. So if a person believes I am good at, they are going to act in accordance with that belief. So their actions will keep that belief coming true over and over to ourselves and to other people. And let's look at an example of an I am good at statement. So a core belief could be I am good at school. And so for this person, their effort will reflect that core belief. So they may tell other people, well, I am good at school. I am a good student. And they will also treat themselves as a good student would treat themselves and they will work to keep that core belief coming true over and over again. With the core beliefs that we have about ourselves, when we are convinced of those, then we want to be perceived by others and viewed by others in those same ways. So the person who has the core belief, I am good at school, that person will put in the effort so that other people view him or her as a good student. So they will put in the effort, whether that's with their classmates or their teachers, they will put in the effort so that their classmates and teachers also view them as a good student. Functional fitness can help our core beliefs become more positive because over time we can become more confident in our body's ability to adapt to difficulty and to learn new skills and get stronger. So in that sense, through functional fitness, we can earn more positive core beliefs about ourselves. And every time we push through discomfort in a workout and overcome challenges, we can put those things in our bank of experiences and that effort also that confirm more positive core beliefs about ourselves. And now moving on to core beliefs about others. So core beliefs about others are on the continuum of one side, others are trustworthy, and on the other side, others are untrustworthy. The core beliefs that we have about others include our friends and family and all of the relationships that we have. These beliefs about others are sometimes more open to change throughout time than core beliefs about ourselves because we learn over and over again whether others are trustworthy or untrustworthy and we test out new people. 
maybe we open up to tell a little bit about ourselves at first. And if they respond in ways that we interpret as trustworthy, we can give them a little more of ourselves as time goes on. For example, if we meet with a mental health therapist and we give them a glimpse into our lives and our experience and they respond in a way that invites more disclosure of ourselves, we feel more free to do that. If the therapist responds in a way that makes us feel like shutting down or even getting defensive, of course, we're going to be more guarded and less likely to go back to that therapist. And an example for when we are in grief. If we talk with a friend about grief that we are experiencing and that person responds with deep listening and acceptance of our emotional experience, we feel invited to share more. On the other hand, if that friend responds with their own experience and makes that interaction about themselves, saying something like, oh yeah, I've lost people too and I just had to get over it, you should too, that is a sure way to make the grieving person kind of go into their shell and hide and not want to come back out or share any more with that person. Or if the friend responds with something like, oh my goodness, I could never handle that. I don't know how you can do that. This is another response that does not invite more disclosure about our experience. And here's a tip for being with people who are in grief. Listen. People in grief typically feel very alone in their experience and grief is difficult to feel and to talk about. When people truly listen to us and validate our experience, that is where connection and healing can take place. Listening is often the best response when someone opens up to you and shares about their pain. And moving on to core beliefs about the world around us. These core beliefs are on a continuum of on one side, the belief is the world is safe. And on the other side of the continuum, the belief is the world is unsafe. These core beliefs can be heavily impacted by our early childhood experiences. When we were children, if we felt like we were not protected by our caregivers, we naturally come to the belief that the people who ideally we would trust are not going to meet our needs and care for us. That profoundly impacts the way we view the world. It also impacts how we view people in the future who we perceive as people who are supposed to take care of us. So if we felt like our needs were not going to be met, and that we were not going to be taken care of, the core beliefs of the world is unsafe and the beliefs on that side of the continuum are more likely. So as you can see, core beliefs about others and core beliefs about the world around us can be very connected. So for that adult who was once a child who was mistreated or unprotected, that person is more likely going to be hesitant to trust and maybe even resistant to trust. So like I mentioned earlier about core beliefs about ourselves that we make sure keep coming true over and over again in the way we act, 
the beliefs about others and the world around us, those we can similarly act and behave in ways that confirm those beliefs over and over, mainly by pushing people away in this example of the adult who was mistreated or unprotected as a child, that adult may push people away before they are able to be trusted. And this can happen because of the thought of, you're going to leave me if I let you into my life and you're going to hurt me. And so that adult who was once a mistreated or unprotected child will act in ways that say, I'm going to push you away so that you can't hurt me when you leave and when you let me down. So in this episode, I talked about what mental health is and what core beliefs are. I want to say thank you so much for listening. Integrating mental health and physical fitness is a major passion for me, and I'm glad that I get to share that with you as a listener of this podcast. I want to leave you with this. It's never too late to change. It's never too late to pursue the life that you want and it's never too late to pursue better mental health and physical fitness. Effort is a choice. Hey everyone, hope you enjoyed the episode. You can follow along with Counseling and Functional Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. You can contact me by emailing counselingandfunctionalfitness at gmail.com or by messaging Counseling and Functional Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. See you next time.